Hello everybody, I'm Lauren Duffy and this is the Global Healing Hub. We're collaborating with 4MTV USA, bringing to you and discussing healing and therapeutic practices to help support you on your wellness journey. To make things a little easier for you and to save you time, every video has highlights right at the beginning of each discussion. And also most videos have a bullet point outline in the description. So you can easily see the topics that are discussed. And the highlights begin right after this short intro at about the one minute, 20 second mark. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. On this channel, the Global Healing Hub, we interview healers, practitioners, and, and medical professionals from across the globe, talking about non-traditional healing methods and how they can help you and the people that you care about. In other words, I talk to mystics, mediums, intuitives, nurses, doctors, therapists, shamans, all discussing and practicing holistic, alternative, and complementary methods for healing. These people and these healing modalities can open you up to some real change. They're the real deal. And you can connect with them for a private, one-on-one, -on -one, remote, or in-person session through the Global Healing Hub website. And we also have wellness products, blogs, podcasts, links, channels, and even workshops. I really hope you will join this growing community and explore your world of empowerment, freedom, and a greater well-being during this global movement. Today we have with us Thomas Moon Eagle discussing matrix energetics and shamanistic practices. We chat about different ways to create shifts within yourself and how to maintain lasting change. Thomas is a healer's healer, and he has a wealth of information to share, so please stay tuned. It's a fantastic discussion. Oh, and of course, don't forget to hit the like button and the subscribe button. Thank you so much. If something is malevolent, which is very rare, but I get the calls for that a lot because nobody else wants to touch it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's you know, People say, like, oh, that must be really difficult. It's like, actually, that's the easiest thing. I just go... <laughs> you know, and call in the things that you call in and they, they take it right away. Hmm. Um, when you have something merged with something that truly loves this person with like a really, you know, like gripping kind of love, it's nearly impossible to get them out by pulling. I mean, you have to, you have to convince them to go. I, I think some of the most immediate like night and day changes I've seen have been when people have had like, soul retrieval work done after like an extraction or a depossession, which can sometimes happen instead, you know, which is, it's not as scary as it sounds. I, I sometimes call that cowboy shamanism. So you extract first and ask questions later. Uh, and it, nine times out of 10, it works. It's like, you don't need to know what that thing's all about. It doesn't belong. While on the 10th time it did, it did matter, you know, and it's sort of like, that's why it's like, okay, well, if that should ever happen again, where I'm like, why isn't this coming out? That's the time to stop, ask questions, uh, dialogue. Um, so, you, <laughs> because you're always continually running into something you haven't seen before. You know, that's the nature of this work. Because in doing this work, you get to touch the sacred on a regular basis and bring forth that into some, you know, someone else's experience in their life. Uh, and be, you know, part of a change for them that makes their life better. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for being here um, with us today. Um, so you are a, a shamanic practitioner. Yes. Uh, intuitive reader, an artist. A Reiki master, a teacher, and an author. You're also a, I'll try and pronounce this properly, you might have to correct me, um, a Saifu of Southern Chinese Tai Chi. <laughs> it's Sifu. Sifu of Southern Chinese Tai Chi. So you're also a minister in the order of Melchizedek, as well as initiated as a fourth level Andean priest. Yeah, that came as a surprise to me too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and you currently live in in Kentucky. 
Yes. So you work with, well, you work with many different modalities. Um, one I know very little about is matrix energetics. Mm-hmm. And so you also um, practice like shamanistic practices. And from my understanding the other day, when we spoke, you said that you, when you work with matrix energetics, you bring in some of those practices and it's kind of a merger, a blend between the two methodologies. Right. Is that right? Can you tell me a little bit about, well, what matrix energetics is and maybe a clear understanding of what your version of that is? <laughs> sure. I mean, what matrix did was um, it took some of, you know, if you've think, seen things like What the Bleep Do We Know and some of those other kind of movies and mm-hmm. they talk about how reality a lot of times is perceptual based. Yes. So perception filters all the possibilities and collapses them into one. And, um, and I had had that on a theoretical basis and, you know, and I tried with all sorts of things to do that, drop this into the quantum field with like crystal grids and ceremonies and different, and then, and they did, um, what having gone to a couple of those seminars, um, showed me that you could just instantly intend and have that happen. And so what that did is like, oh, if they can do it, I can do that. Okay. And a lot of what stuff, stuff that happens in some of the shaman, you know, was when some shamanic practitioners would demonstrate like these feats, that's what they're doing is they're altering um, reality at that quantum level. Um, usually through some sort of ceremony or partnership with um, spirit. Okay. And so, you know, a lot of things that um, depending on which type of shamanic practice I, I've trained in both um, core shamanism which is, you know, <clears throat> stuff like from the Harner Institute, or I think they're now called the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, where they teach you about um, shamanic journeying and, you know, that sort of method of, of gaining power and healing. Um, and then also some of the Andean shamanism, um, okay. where you work, work with a lot of ceremony and stones and, you know, sacred objects. Um, but they also do a lot of stuff like tracking where they look at somebody and they track like little things. And, and that was very similar to some things with uh, matrix was, you know, cause they tell you just try not to like be in tune, just go and look and what, see what you notice. And it, it was very, it was like almost like almost exactly the same as okay. what they gotcha. shamanic tracking. And so that's one thing that I'm like, I, you know, I'm very usually reserved to like, oh, I'm really good at this. But that's one thing I actually like will say to myself, you're actually really good at tracking. <laughs> okay. And people are like, well, so how psychic are you? And I'm like, I'm psychic enough to get the job done is how I like to put it. But not so psychic that it gets in the way, I think. Okay. Because um, I do know a lot of people that... Um, their psychic senses are annoying to them you know so it must be like a, an overload almost yeah yeah so what is the basics for basics of matrix energetics and forgive me if i kind of miss the message but uh, i'm trying to get a better understanding of what it, what that is um collapsing uh the wave function the quantum you know wave particle wave and 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 but changing it from what it is right now into a different state and to do that you sort of drop out of the head awareness you go into the heart um which is very similar a lot to uh a lot of states of consciousness um like mm, i'd say when i when i go into uh bringing forth like a spirit that wants to come forth to do healing work and wants to move through, like I have to just like, get out of my head. Right. Uh, so it's similar in that way. So like I said, it's like, for me, it's like, it's like, so when do you do metrics and when do you do this? I'm like, it's not really one or the other. It's sort of kind of all melded together. A merger, yeah. The soup and sort of like, you, once you've made soup, you can't unmake the soup. Okay. Uh, 
so it's all like mixed together in a weird way. Um, but, you know, that idea of going in here and sort of letting go and just noticing, you know, go where you're drawn, investigate that, ask questions, and um, then, you know, ask like, well, what else can be and see what shows up. And I mean, I, that sounds really basic, but I mean, that's what's going on. I mean, that's the basics of what's going on. And people like, well, what's the technique? I'm like, it doesn't really matter what the technique is. Um, the basis of it is to get into the field of the heart, which uh, connects to um, larger fields of possibility. Um, because the heart feels a lot better than the field of the mind. Right. And it's a mirror of the earth's magnetic field too. So it's sort of like macrocosm, microcosm. So what happens is like, you know, you, you can access the, what they call the void or some people will call the zero point field or uh, the Akashic field is another uh, term for it. But that place where all things that exist have existed, will exist, or can exist, are. Hmm. So, and that includes alternate universes, alternate timelines, the multi, all that stuff. And then you can kind of just go in and shift it. Yeah. Now, it can also shift back too. So <laughs> you have to be, you have to be creative with it. I see. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the key is. Um, making that change, allowing it to be a, a lasting change, or I guess, do you have to like create a shift that's significant enough, that's captured enough, let's say um, onion layers and, and, and surrounding the issue of other onion layers to allow that to be a lasting change? Or how, how do you make something from a temporary change to a lasting change? How do you create that dynamic? Right. Well, with, you know, like with anything in our life, it, it's sort of like building a new habit. Okay. So you start, you know, with the first, that initial shift, you're like, okay, now what is different? You start by locking in, by paying, giving your perceptual awareness to that and start mm -hmm. doing things that reinforce that. Uh, okay. And that could be ceremonial that could be, you know, physical, like say, okay, I'm going to, as part of this, I'm going to, you know, t take a walk and do this every day. Just, you know, altering that so that that becomes the new reality. And so, so I'll tell you that. So this past weekend, or I guess about a week ago, I had two different sessions done to me. One was um, Akashic work. It was a little 15 minute session. Um, and I felt a whole lot. I mean, it really, really kicked my butt. I'm generally pretty sensitive to energy, but this really kicked my butt. I, I would not have been able to drive if I wanted to, uh, for, I mean, I mean, I, I drove home maybe two hours later, but I had to give myself time because I, I was really, I had to hold on to countertops and walls just to be able to get around, <laughs> you know, really kicked my butt. And based on what was said, it seemed like they worked on a couple of things that uh, have to do with um, being confident and stuff like that and, and being able to speak my voice. Um, and then I also, two days after that, I had um, access bars, uh, access bars work done to me as well. And, you know, I, I told her that uh, the, the practitioner that I, I wanted to not be like nervous in front of videos because usually I'm always nervous when I do these videos and I've been doing this for two years now. And uh, I, I, once that record button goes on, I'm nervous. And to my delight, the following day on Tuesday, I spoke to this person from uh, Taiwan. And for the first time, I actually wasn't nervous. And then on Friday, a couple of days after that, um, I spoke to someone who I have been I've had a chat, like an online chat with uh, before. And after we were basically done our little interview or discussion, she said, you know, it's, it's strange. You acted different. You didn't seem nervous at all. And I was like, I, I'm not nervous. 
I wasn't nervous for this session. I wasn't nervous for my interview I did on Tuesday with a guy from Taiwan. I wasn't nervous for that. And, and quite honestly, I'm not nervous right now. And that's fantastic. So I'm three for three. And so the reason I bring this up is because I want this to be lasting change. <laughs> you know, I don't want yeah. this to be a short term thing um, because this, you know, considering this is something I'm doing and I'm interviewing practitioners, it would sure be nice if I wasn't nervous and restrictive in my um, communication when I, you know, when I was doing these interviews. Well, yeah. And I think what you're doing is, is good because, you know, you're, you're acknowledging like the difference, like how you mm -hmm. feel like and focusing on like how, how different the experience is for you um, builds those, I guess um, we could call them neural pathways if you wanted to, or you could call them, okay. you know, or beliefs and, you know, memes and stuff around that. And so a lot of times when you but, do, deep but how is it that like, just like that, my I, I'm not nervous now in front of the camera. Um, well, I mean, I don't know because I didn't do the work, but I mean, it would depend on like how much of that um, tendency of being nervous uh, and, and on camera was um, entangled with some of your core identity and your core core beliefs. So the more closely conditioned or pattern is to that core of your, your self-concept, the more difficult that is to shift in a lasting way. And sure. the reason is, is because when you shift that, everything around how you define yourself also has to shift. And it feels very unstable to your consciousness and can provoke a lot of anxiety. And actually sometimes even full-blown panic or panic attacks for some people. Okay. Um, because you no longer, you're the concept of what you've built yourself on. All the foundation has just gone out beneath your feet and you feel like you're kind of dangling over a pit. Um, right. So if you have something that's been troubling you, but it's not really part, you haven't associated your identity with it, that's a lot easier to shift and to not, and, and to not come back. Okay. Um, and the other thing to, one of the things the shamanic path has helped is that, you know, there's this idea and, and um, that you can shift anything in matrix energetics. And that may be true, but that might not be true for everybody because, you know, again, that idea of entanglement, how entangled are we? How much of this um, defines ourselves and how willing are we to let go of that? Because there were people that used to say, well, does that mean I can diddle with my genetic codes and make myself immortal? And I was like, I won't say it's impossible, but it would certainly be extraordinarily difficult to pull off because we have so much reinforcement about the uh, state of mortality around us. Everything in our right. culture is geared either towards pro, you know, staving that off, forgetting about it, pushing it down, or um, dealing with the consequences of being mortal. And isn't there, there are ties to like the collective consciousness, right? Is that correct? So let's say that you as a soul, as a being, you like 100% believe that you could live to be 150 years old or 200 years old. Sure. But you are tied to this collective consciousness, which has a very different message. Right. So doesn't the reality of the collective consciousness, unfortunately, also strongly rub off on our individual reality? Sure. And, um, you know, that's where we run into, you know, when we run into our, a lot of blocks, when we do stuff and I'm like, that should have worked. Why didn't that work? Okay. Well, what block am I running? You know, what invisible walls from my paradigm am I running into here? Because your paradigm is essentially, you don't see it. Uh, it's sort of like the fishbowl. They don't see the edge of the bowl. They just, you know, they're in the water and right. then they bump up against this invisible surface to them that they can't get past. And that's sort of like, you know, what are, what are our perceptual filters that collapses our reality into a stable form? 
the other issue with that is like you're saying that collective because we do not operate in isolation. Uh, we are a communal species. I talk about consensual reality, which we have to absolutely have. We have to be able to agree on, you know, what's actually going on in order for us to operate together. Um, and if you lose that, you know, it's insanity. It's just like one person's yelling something, you know, fire and there, and it's raining inside the building, but there's no fire. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, you know, you, I'm like, reality is moldable. Reality is bendable. It is shiftable for sure. I said, you know, when I was answering the person about like, can you make yourself more? I was like, okay, let's say like, let's, let's liken this to soccer. So in soccer, there are rules and the rules say that you can kick the ball you can headbutt the ball. You can even bump the ball with your butt if you wanted to. Uh, but you can't pick the ball up and throw it. The only person who's allowed to touch the ball with their hands is the goalkeeper. Is the goal. Gotcha. Um, that's it. Now, does that mean it's absolutely impossible for you to pick up the ball and throw it? No. But once you do that, you're no longer playing soccer. So once you have this, once you've figured this out, how to like become immortal it's you're no longer playing the human game you have become something else well that makes sense okay so you, you had mentioned the other day some of the shamanic work that you do mm -hmm. and soul extraction uh that is that that's shamanic work correct soul well, extraction or maybe i'm and soul retrieval i wouldn't i would not retrieval. okay <laughs> okay so soul retrieval uh, which is shamanic work. And you mentioned something along the lines of you might not be able to recognize quote unquote you afterwards that sometimes it, it does create a significant shift. Yes, it does. Um, I, I think some of the most immediate like night and day changes I've seen have been when people have had like soul retrieval work done after like an extraction or a depossession, which can sometimes happen instead, you know, which is, it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, okay. <laughs> rarely is it scary. Um, extraction usually means that you've got like stray energy that's coming from the environment um, in a place that you have an opening in your field because part of you has, you know, been flung off into the cosmos due to some sort of traumatic or shocking thing that just, you know, part of me was like, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> okay. Um, nope, nope, this is not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Uh, and, you know, it can be something like, like a sudden, like a car accident or, you know, something happens in your family, a term, you know, um, a loss of a job, anything that really just shakes you up and like makes, puts you in a place where you just, you can't deal. Okay. And part of you may just like, Go so you like, can just kind of fragment. Yeah. Sense. So, um, and then, you know, nature is not like a vacuum. So there's a space, there's energy floating around in the collective. It's like, phew, goes right in. And, hmm. you know, a lot of people like will, you know, say stuff about that energy. Oh, this evil thing that's in you. I was like, <sighs> a lot of times it's not really even conscious energy. It's just like, background emotional you know cred okay or, you know it's you know like an insect infestation almost kind of like you know there's the insects aren't evil out to get you or anything they just saw an opportunity and took it you know that's what they do gotcha. uh and so you you know you take that out um you know clean that up and then find and invite that piece back in uh to reintegrate into the whole um depending on how long it's been though um you may have veered off in a very different direction and this is more true with like a deep possession where the energy is actually a consciousness that has come in and taken up residence um 
and has sort of intertwined and entangled a bit with your own persona and identity. When that happens, that's a little bit trickier because you remove that and you will feel different. (laughs) Um, And then when you bring yourself back, it may feel almost foreign depending on how long that other consciousness has been merged with you. Well, I know, um, I mean, I, I've had a number of sessions where I just feel completely different and um, I, I felt just lighter all week. And yeah. so I don't, I don't really, you know, I can't put a finger on it. I just feel better and, um, and, and continue to. So hopefully that, yeah, and that 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 key word that you you felt lighter, you know, yes. is what I look for, um, uh, because you know, when some of these bothers we feel weighted down, right? Um, so to feel to take that burden off, uh, and to feel the lightness of our spirit, you know, and that animates us, is kind of the goal. Do you so, have any um, like? stories about clients that you've worked with that things really shifted after, you know, one of your, um, healings or, or another, um, yeah, I do. Um, I've done, I remember one of the times I did a deep possession work and then soul retrieval, um, (laughs) which happened in the middle of a thunderstorm, uh, like in the spring and it was uh, on their pat, like their screened in patio. I remember, I don't even remember what I did at the time. Um, I had all my accoutrements with me to rattle and this and that, and, you know, making the thing go. And um, it was not a happy camper that was, uh, that was uh, merged in with this person. So hmm. uh, I'm very grateful that the storm assisted uh, in moving that energy out. Uh, and then bringing, brought, you know, that their, you know, very young soul essence back. Um, as this was an adult man in his thirties, I guess at the time. And this was like a little kid essence coming in. Mm, okay. Uh, and coming back. And then like, it all took place like with paced with the storm and like it all settled. And then all, you could hear all the peeper frogs going off afterwards. And it was like this beautiful, like, just magical moment and they felt really they're like i feel so weird and different and i'm but like light and i was like good yes that's good um and so they were and i remember um that their wife calling me like later on in the week and saying he's really kind of concerned because he's feeling like really anxious and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, I was wondering if that was going to happen. And (laughs) because, you know, you've had this thing, I said, tell him, you know, like this will pass in like a couple more days. Um, This is like the recentering of the persona Um, Hmm. because he's having to figure out who he is now. And I was like, I was like, that's totally natural happens to a lot of people it's part of the healing process um if it gets worse or if he still is not you know call me and we'll we'll talk about we'll see what we can do and sure enough you know i asked them about it a couple of days later and he said she said like yeah once i told him that that this was he was it was he said like an anxiety dropped like more than half and then that continued on its way. And so I find that letting people know that they may be feeling just a little unsteady for a little bit and like to plan around that and to do things that are gonna bolster um, your sense of being here and you know being in your body and that being okay um, is a good thing. Um, so how do you go about finding that, um, that little piece uh, uh, of you, that, that little piece of your soul, I guess, or your energetics that split off years ago and kind of assemble it back into the, the body or energetic sure. field? Um, well, I have two different shamanic teachers that do it two different ways, and um, I do it neither of those ways. Okay. <laughs> um, this is where I do that tracking thing where I'm like, where is the, and I just kind of center and I, and I you know, 
pull it in. I sort of put out the call. Hmm. Uh, but if you were doing this like a more traditional way, you would do like a shamanic journey with like either a power animal or an upper world sort of guide, like a teacher. And they would help you find it in whatever world it's in and convince it to come back. Um, so, and sometimes there, sometimes there's negotiations that have to happen um, with that to come back. And sometimes there has to be negotiations with something that you're trying to extract. Um, so that can happen too. Um, I once had somebody who had an ancestor that had tried to merge with them as a very young child. Uh, and I'm, if something is malevolent, which is very rare, but I get the calls for that a lot because nobody else wants to touch it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's you know, people's like, Oh, that must be really difficult. It's like, actually that's the easiest thing. I just go, <laughs> you know, and call in the things that you call in and they, they take it right away. Um, when you have something merged with something that truly loves this person with like a really, you know, like gripping kind of love, it's nearly impossible to get them out by pulling. Okay. Yeah, like that death grip on the podium kind of thing. So do you, you tickle them? Like how do you get them off? Uh, I mean, you have to, you have to convince them to go. Um, oh. and the only way you can, like the way I had to do it with one was to say, I know you you obviously really care about this person. I know you're not malevolent because if you were, you would have been out of here in five minutes. <laughs> um, and you're hurting this person by, by being hmm. here. If you really want to help them and guide them, you need to do it from here, from the realm of spirit. I'm like, you will be able to help them so much more from there. And they slowly start like, like, I'm not trying to banish you from their life. I'm just saying where you are in their life is not helping them at all. And that slowly by talking to it, which if I had done to start with, <laughs> after the first round of tried to pull it out, would have made that session a lot easier and a lot smoother and a lot less long because it was like a three hour session. It's like, oh, fine, I'll talk to it now. <laughs> I see. It's oh, so interesting. Uh, yeah, and so as I, I sometimes call that cowboy shamanism. So you extract first and ask questions later. Uh, and it, nine times out of ten, it works. It's like you don't need to know what that thing's all about. It doesn't belong. While on the tenth time, it did. It did matter, you know. And it's sort of like that's why it's like okay. Well, if that should ever happen again, where I'm like, why isn't this coming out? That's the time to stop ask questions, uh, dialogue. Um, so hmm. you, <laughs> because you're always continually running into something you haven't seen before, you know, that's the nature of this work. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting world. I mean, this is, it's very fascinating. I've gone, I, I have a shaman that I go to for, well, it's been a little while since before COVID and all of that, but, um, and many of the things you're talking about, which, I might add, it's all very strange in my world yeah. is stuff that he talks about. And I find it very strange when he talks about it. Um, but what you two are saying, it's very, the stories are very consistent with one another. And, you know, and it's very curious. I mean, I see real change with this sort of stuff. I mean, I, like I said, last weekend, I had work done with my Akashic records. I don't understand any of that. I, I have a hard time like believing in it. And yet I obviously got some real change as a result of it. So, you know, that's kind of what this program karma hub is all about. It's just, you got to try something different. You got to step out of your normal everyday little comfort zone and step into something that might be regarded as strange or maybe not part of your belief system. I mean, none of this stuff was part of my belief system and some of it still isn't really, I don't know, maybe that's not quite right. I mean, it is part of my belief system, but I now, but because it works and I know it works, but it's just so far 
so far out there, I have a hard time getting my head around it. Um, I mean, yeah. how do you make logical sense of it? And many times you just can't, or at least I can't. I okay, so, to- so all of this leads to, you know, this is all very, you know, interesting discussion that we're having. And, um, but I, I think a lot of people stepping, maybe trying to tiptoe into this realm, how do you find, how do you know you're finding someone with, uh, that's, that's credible? Okay. And, you know, again, that's another reason I'm doing what I'm doing, because I'm actually trying to bring together people that, you know, I either directly know or that have been directly referred to me by people I trust um, or, or people with just an exceptional reputation. Uh, but as a general rule, how do people know that this person's going to help and is the real deal versus someone that uh, might screw some stuff up? <laughs> <laughs> right and or I just will, or just take the money or just take the money yeah that that does happen um right. now i will say this you, you can be the best intention and still screw up I mean, <laughs> okay. uh, because as i say you meet something that you never encountered before a lot um and so for that it's sort of about you know a look at how they i would say look at how they behave both of my teachers uh one of the things you could like the first word that you think of is respect and so they create spaces of respect so they're not yeah but you're kind of in this realm you're out shopping from a edu you know from an educated person's standpoint right shopping for a teacher so to speak if someone is really dipping their toe into this for the first time do they go to yelp no you know where, where do they go how do they where i mean i would say come to karma hub that's that's where you should go but um, um you know a is as anyone you know worked with this person that's you know that's people that you personally know and personally trust their ability to assess um okay. also you know i i look at you know what do people claim um because if somebody is claiming, you know, I, what I tell people is like, I can deliver weird any day of the week, anytime, any place. I can deliver weird. Can I deliver this specific one little thing that you say that you want to happen in your life? No. And the reason I say I can't do that is because I don't know. I don't know what the circumstances are of your life without meeting you. And I have to give up control to do the work that I do. So if you are dead set on this, I'm like, I'm not the one in control of that when something else is moving through. And that power may decide, no, not for this person. Right. It's not in their best interest. It's not for the high, right. highest and best. So, you know, because I know I'm not omniscient, I'm not omniscient. So I don't know. I try my best to help people when they show up. Sometimes what people think they need is not what they need. Um, and at the same time, I do try to deliver what you came there for <laughs> because I try to be helpful. Um, so when you see someone claiming that they can do just about anything for any person at any time, and any, I'm like, yeah, that's a big red flag for me. And so there are like, I think the foundation for shamanic studies has like a list of practitioners in different areas. And I think also the four wind society does as well. I see. Those are people that have gone through, you know, certain amount of training programs. Um, so that's what, you know, if you don't know anybody, you know, those are two, two places that you can look um, to say, you know, at least these, at least we know that they've gone through this training. Right. Um, so you also do, uh, well, you have it listed as transformational videos on, on YouTube. Yeah. How does that, so do you actually do like healing sessions on YouTube that can be, that you can benefit from at a later time if you decide to look at them? How, do, how does that work exactly? Distance healing work is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard for me to, to, 
to get my head around. I mean, I experience it. I've experienced it. I think the first time was probably 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little longer ago, uh, longer. Um, and I do distance work through a Reiki circles that are through zoom. And, and I, I like physically feel that work that's done from a distance. And that's just the work, way that works. So, so you got that. So distance healing, it's a real thing. Okay. Let's, let's try and check that box. Right. Sure. <laughs> and, and then you're going to add another layer to that of, well, it's a pre-recorded video, right? <laughs> and you're going to go to this video and it's going to be distance healing work done, you know, sometime prior to you witnessing the work and it's done for a large group of people. And um, how, how do you explain that? I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so yes, um, part of that is in the way I set it up. And by creating a bubble around myself and creating like a space that is outside of time and outside of space okay. uh, that connects to all points in time. Okay. So, or not really all points in time, any point in time from the time of its creation onward. The setup itself of the video is me intending that this is touching different places in time. So I'm not just doing it for that moment. I'm doing this in a space that is in the void in okay. that so that it can pop up at any point in time where it's access when someone hits play. I, I think that's a, a great and sincere intent. And I have, um, I guess it works. You said that you have gotten feedback. I, I get feedback a lot. Um, okay. Or I got, I think got that's great. Change their algorithm, but you know, that's how it is. So I, I to, I haven't looked at your YouTube um, channel specifically, but I have seen others who uh, make a very similar claim. And I will say that I actually feel like I feel something like I, I feel that energy moving and I have been impressed by that. And I think to myself, is it just me hoping that it's working? And this is what I am kind of experiencing. I'm kind of bringing this phenomenon on myself uh, because of like a placebo effect. Um, or is it in fact really doing something? Because, you know, I, I'll, in the moment I'll be like, I really do truly feel better and I do feel like I'm experience I'm experiencing something and and then I my other voice is like yeah but this is a this is far beyond remote work this is you know the, the whole discussion we just had right it's 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 hard <laughs> for me to grasp um but it seems to work for me and I guess it seems to work for others mm -hmm. and if you're working I guess in the quantum field yeah times not a thing and location it's not a thing and <laughs> so if remote healing works because it's not a thing then maybe why, why wouldn't also the whole time thing be yeah. an issue i mean if you're going to go down this road of weirdness why not just say okay this road of weirdness that's fine just just add that to the others we're good it, it's all you know it all exists sure. i mean i i can address that with the story Okay, please do. Um, I had a client who was on deployment uh, years ago in, in Afghanistan, and they wanted a particular they wanted a session, but there was just no way we could sync our schedules. Okay. Um, so what I did is I went, I set out my mace. I you know I did all the stuff I set up as if I was doing the session, and I just set the intent and I recorded it, and I set the intent that the session would activate when they listen to the recording. Okay. Even though I was doing the work at this time and I knew it was gonna, they were gonna be able to do it until later, that basically it was like, I hit the pause button on the effect. <laughs> but like, I'm doing it in this time, even though it's gonna manifest in that time. And people's like, can you do that? I'm like, well, I mean, it's the same as when I do my videos. Okay. Uh, that this was for a specific person. And so I'm like, actually, that should be easier. 
because I'm not trying to account for right. whoever and whenever and how many ever um, people it is going to see this. Yes. Um, and I guess it was, was it helpful to your client? They when when because I sometimes say, and you might be feeling this going on in here, and I and I, I you know, and I would say something, and they told me that like right after, like right before I would tell them what they were about to, you know, what the experience was like, they'd feel that part of their body like tingle or warm up or you know have mm -hmm. this right before I would say it. So good. So that's an example of how that can happen. And it's really about, again, dropping in the heart that accesses that timeless space, working in that timeless space, and then using that to reach out uh, farther than we could um, before. Okay, well, that makes sense. So you did make a mention of, uh, of curses um, and, and soul contracts. Uh, curses with uppercase versus curses with a uh, lowercase. Yeah, the uppercase and the lowercase C. Can you so, speak uh, on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll start with the uppercase C because um, that's what we, what the collective thinks of about curses. They think of like stuff from fairy tales. They think of stuff from movies, you know, they think, you know, whatever horror slasher film that is going on that involves witchcraft or, you know, spell work or necromancy or whatever. And, you know, I will just start out by saying those are rare. Okay. <laughs> uh, they do happen, um, but they're rare and most people don't need to worry about them. Um, the ones that we also know, but we don't think of as curses are the, what I call the lowercase c. And that's what, you know, I define, you know, uh, curse is a lie that we believe about ourselves. Gotcha. So like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not strong enough. No one will ever love me. I'll never be successful. I'll never amount to anything, blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever authority figure that said something about us as a little child that we, we, that was mean and, and we believed because we're little kids, we don't have discernment. Or maybe they said it to keep us from experiencing disappointments. We wouldn't go after something or we wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> so a lot of curses are not, the little said, whisper in the ear that that grows to be a large um, right because then we build our self-concept around it and it acts as sort of like little hooks in our energy field where like strange you will catch on it that that will activate that in us hmm. um but ancestral trauma as well because that can be carried down operates through that as well and so when if somebody is throwing energy at us that's structured in a, in a way to hurt. Um, and it's, it finds a little hook in our energy field. That's what it latches onto. Something that's already within us, something that's already there. Gotcha. So the best thing that people can do is to work on all those little curses, those little lowercase c's to clear that as much as possible. So it would be like, you know, somebody trying to throw stick something and it just slides right off because there's nothing for it to gain purchase on. Gotcha. Um, but I find that long-term, the lowercase c's are way more damaging. And um, how do you get rid of the lowercase c's? That's tricky. Um, that takes a lot of deep inner work. Some people do it with therapy. Uh, in fact, that's not a bad idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> To, you know, to work on this, to heal some of those wounds, those uh, deep wounds from childhood or um, those feelings of inadequacies. Um, I wish I had a, a quick, easy answer for you, but it's, it really just takes time, effort, and compassion. I see. And surrounding yourself with good people. Well, this has been, um, oh, you know, I, I did want to talk about, I think it's very cool. So you, you teach, where are my notes? Tai Chi, is that right? Yeah, I do. Okay. And well, we actually started talking about it because we were talking about allergy season. When I was on the phone with you, yeah. you said, please excuse me, we're, uh, my allergies are horrible. 
And strangely enough, when I do energy work or if I do Tai Chi, I'm teaching Tai Chi, I don't have allergies. It doesn't bother me. Uh, not while I'm practicing, no. But, but outside doing energy work, if it's a particular time of season or, or whatever, um, you have your allergies. And I, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's so interesting. And, and actually, to, to be quite honest, I can relate because I remember um, quite a few times um, I, I have I've seasonal allergies myself. But I, I don't get those symptoms when, you know, I, I, I do Reiki or if I'm in a Reiki share. Um, right. You don't catch me sneezing, sniffling runny nose, all of that when I'm, I'm doing Reiki. And then uh, I, I just thought that was, that was really cool. So, well, th this is really, uh, it's been a fantastic uh, uh, talking with you. Is there anything that you wanted to add before we started to wrap things up? Oh, geez, we covered some heavy topics, it seems yes, like. Yes, we did. Yeah. You know, I, I like, you know, sometimes my sessions are just fun or weird and, you know, <laughs> they're not always like heavy like childhood trauma stuff no sometimes they're just they're people will laugh and sometimes you know again the ones that i think that are the most profound are the ones that i have the least amount to do with uh where something else just moves through and says like get out of the way um and just where i'm just sitting there and i'm just kind of holding the space and they're just moving through i'm like whoa that's cool I'm like, yeah, or I'm just the universe's meat puppet for a second. And okay. <laughs> and I'm like, please more of that because it feels awesome for me and the client. Right. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, again, it can be wonderful. It can be beautiful. Um, when you, you know, because in doing this work, you get to touch the sacred on a regular basis and bring forth that into some, you know, someone else's experience in their life uh, and be, you know, part of a change for them that makes their life better, you know, and I like that. <laughs> to connect to Thomas Moonegal and the other practitioners, go to theglobalhealinghub.com.